I want the power of God to manifestly fall on every person in this room. When Peter came out in Jerusalem after being 70 of them being filled in the upper room, I don't think he knew what was going to happen. He just spoke the word of God and it became something that was manifest in the lives of people. How did Peter, who was an ignorant fisherman, know how to quote Joel? The book of Joel. How did he know? Now, obviously, Jesus had told him probably multiple times. But he had gone from somebody who thought he was full of his self-importance and the saviour of the saviour to somebody who was in pieces and was felt worthless to proclaiming the truth of God's um, arrival in the form of the Holy Spirit in, in dwelling those that choose him. So this morning is on that topic. It can be one that might um, concern people because we're going to be talking about prayer, of course, but particularly prayer that is um, managed, motivated and um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, So we're all spiritual beings, are we not? Uh, I'm sure you realize that we are eternal beings. We choose, based on the decisions we make, where we spend that eternity. And it's very much dependent on how we are related to God. Um, When Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God because their spirits were no longer connected. And when you become a Christian, you are rejoined to God for eternity. But surely it doesn't just stop there. Because if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, Surely it's appropriate that the Holy Spirit has an influence on how you behave and how you live and what you say. But God, of course, loves to speak to us, or for us to speak to him in our own language. Of course he does. Um, If you're blessed with knowing multiple languages, you can try quite a few. But he wants to know our heart and how we feel. It's not all a case of I'm speaking and I don't know what I'm talking about. He wants us from the inner depths of our heart to speak to him in that to show our love. Um, you know, when I first met Glennis, my way of saying I quite liked her was to sing a song. So that wasn't really me, because I was nicking the words from somebody else, but it was given an impression. Um, but when you can speak from your heart, then of course that's important. So what I'm speaking about isn't taking or denying the importance of speaking in English or whatever language is your natural tongue. But there there can be other options, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to instill that in all of us and to enable us to move to another dimension of prayer, effectiveness of prayer. Um, so, So let's have a look at what speaking in a spiritual language or speaking in tongues means. Now, it's not either or, and I'll explain that a little bit later. Okay, so um, with the lights and my glasses on, I can't see anybody, but there's probably five types of people here today. There are those that have never heard of speaking in tongues. There's those that are aware of it, but run a mile because they don't feel comfortable. They feel uneasy. It's quite strange. Um, And that's not saying that's not acceptable. I mean, that's where people are at. It's not, if you've come from a very traditional, safe, quiet, solemn background, having people speaking in tongues may be intimidating. 
there are those that are seeking, they accept it, they acknowledge it, but they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they, they may be filled with the Holy Spirit, but they may not be speaking in tongues. There are those who have the ability to speak in tongues, but it's on the shelf, a bit like the Bible, and it comes out in times of need. And there are those who commune with God in tongues daily. So I want to address all of those. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go from that in the sense of it will touch on each one of those subjects. Um, and it's a gift. Speaking in tongues is a gift. It, it's, it's not something that's thrust upon us uh, in the sense that, well, you've got it whether you like it or not. It's a gift as salvation is a gift. Uh, and it's a language that is, can be personal and certainly can be corporate in application. So, what does the Bible say with regards to the, the thing of speaking in tongues? Um, we're in a season of understanding prayer, aren't we? I mean, we've been doing it for a number of weeks, and we're looking at different facets of fair prayer. And it should be our desire when we pray, because in the Bible, it's in James 5.16, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, for those that are Christians, as has been said in previous weeks, we are righteous. Working hard won't make us any more righteous. We are righteous in the sight of God the Father because of what the Son did. But how can we be sure that we are effectual in our prayer life? Rather than throwing things out, like sending up a balloon with a little wish on it. How can we be effectual in our prayer life so that things change? God has given us many gifts to use for our benefit, not just for ours, but for the community around us. Um, as we outwork our, our Christian growth, 1 Corinthians 10, 8 to 10, lists a number of those. I mean, for example, wisdom, miracles, words of knowledge, but also speaking in tongues. So it's not, you know, it, it's in the shop. It's a gift that we can have. It's no better or no worse than any other. Paul qualifies that in some situations to say you're better doing other things in context. But it's a gift of God, and what does God do with gifts? He wants us to use them because he's a good God. Now, go back two, three hundred, four hundred years. Speaking in tongues was probably very isolated. Um, it, the, the established churches were ruling supreme to a greater extent. There was the very strong... Roman Catholic Church, and then after the Reformation, you had churches that were Lutheran or Calvinist-based, which grew up. But they fundamentally were the same. They still had the same sort of liturgies, the same structures. The only difference was, was who do you pray to and who is your intercessor? That's what the main differences were. But things didn't really change in things. If you go in any Church of England, Anglican High Church, it would look very much like a Catholic church. If you go in churches that are from that traditional route... They will look the same. And, um, and there were people who actually spoke in tongues, but it was sporadic. I mean, the word Quaker comes from people who quaked. Now, that would have been the Holy Spirit on them. So 
it's not just a case of it's just arrived, where did it come from, or it happened 2,000 years ago and why are we doing it now because it stopped. It's been going for years and it wasn't until the turn of the 19th, 20th century that there was events that were happening. There was a massive wealth revival in 1904 that... stopped people in in their steps. I mean, I'm, I'm going off a bit, but I just want to put context about the significance of the Holy Spirit. There are stories of productivity in the minds dropping when people were became Christians and filled with the Holy Spirit. Productivity dropped because the donkeys couldn't understand what they were saying because they were expected to be sworn at. So the donkeys didn't move. <laughs> So, I mean, the power of God moving on a community in 1904 was significant. And that was carried across to the U.S., where people were doing what we're trying to do, pray and live holy lives. And that heralded in, in 1906, that what became known as the Pentecostal movement, which over 30, 40 years has spread over the world. So, not everybody accepted what happened, because it was weird and unruly. People weren't, they didn't go from mature, from people who didn't know what to do to mature Christians and know how to believe. It was a bit like Corinth, probably. There was a lot of things not being done right. And some churches said, no, 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 this is wrong. It's of the devil. There were some churches that sort of pondered it and accepted some aspects of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but not necessarily all. Tongues being the most contentious one and a lot of charismatic churches in the 60s 50s 60s were like that they they accepted the fact that holy spirit moves but not necessarily speaking in tongues and then the churches which were pentecostal based churches the assemblies of god is a pentecostal based church where i first went to church the elam church um, is pentecostal based and family church is pentecostal based so we do not deny um, and we should encourage the application of speaking in tongues as one of the the list of gifts. Um, But like I say, there's five types of people sitting there and you may or may not disagree with me on that. Um, It went back before Jesus was came to the earth. I was going to say Jesus was born. I mean, he he did exist before he came on the earth. And in Joel 2.28, it declares that in the end times, um, God's spirit will be pouring out on all men. Um, and in Acts 2, 4, the first outworking and evidencing of the Holy Spirit falling on people, the first sign was speaking in tongues. It wasn't a contrived thing to you know, increase the marketing capability of the church. It was the first thing that the Holy Spirit outworked in people, speaking in tongues. For that situation, most of it was in languages that were known by the people. But it doesn't have to be. Because it says in Corinthians with chapter 13, which is about love, though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, you have not love. So it, I know I'm doing a little bit of history. I will get to the point, and Steve, shoot me if I keep going off. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, it was, seen, it was languages that were known. And believe it or not, in the early 1900s, they wanted to send missionaries out as quick as possible. Like one, two years in, right, you've got to go to Africa now to preach Pentecostal. You don't need to speak African, or the African language. I know African is a continent, not a language. But you don't have to speak the local language because God will give you the words because you speak in tongues. Now, that was a little bit naive. Um, and none of them were trained. And it was a bit of a disaster. 
initially, um, the missionary outworkings, uh, in, in, uh, even in China, because people weren't prepared adequately. Um, but in Acts, in Acts 2, 16 17, Peter, when he came out, he again qualified the events. It says, as it was written in the book of Joel. So there is credibility and a plan that God had at the foundation of the earth. I mean, you look what happened at Babel. Languages got confused. Now, speaking in tongues, we can all come back in unity again. So it's God reversing the order of the decay of mankind and the introduction of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost has galvanized and enabled the church now to live in the fullness of what God, what God has always wanted us to be in so that we can change the world around us and push back the gates of hell. That's what we should be doing. Not pure tenders, not knowing a few verses, but being dynamic and forceful in our Christian life. And we must have the Holy Spirit working through us for that to be effective. It's interesting in um, 1 Corinthians. Now, the Corinthian church was in a right mess. They did, if we had it, if they were here now, they would be on Twitter, Facebook every day. Um, it's not called Twitter anymore, is it X or something? Like but anyway, it, they would be on every day for all the, uh, the things that were going wrong, the abuses. But Paul didn't say, sort your life out. He encouraged them to speak in tongues. Now, he was using it in a corporate sense as well as in a personal sense. So he wasn't said, look, this lot are so far back in their Christian walk. Don't introduce that. They've got to learn how to put their hands together, eyes closed, and pray first. But no, it's fundamental to us as Christians to be able to fully enable the Holy Spirit to work through us. So um, Paul separated corporate speaking in tongues, i.e., and when I first went to Elam in the 70s, you'll get people standing up speaking in tongues, and then everybody would wait, and they would expect an interpreter to speak. And Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.6 demands that there is an interpretation, otherwise it's no good to anybody. In four, uh, 1 Corinthians 14.12, um, it, it only used if it is going to be interpreted. Now, I use the word interpreted, right? I'm not using the word translated. Because somebody could speak in tongues, as I've heard in the past, for about three minutes, and the interpretation is God loves you. And you think, well, that doesn't sound like a, a very good translation. But it's about the interpreting of what those words meant in a corporate setting. And that's mainly aimed at non-Christians. Because they're going to come into a church and go, what is going on here? And then there's, a, uh, there's an interpretation or there's a prophecy or something will happen to enable non-Christians to realize that there's something more to Christianity than just sitting in a pew. In, interestingly, in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul links praying in the Spirit as being praying in tongues. So some people think, well, you can pray in the Spirit, but you don't have to pray in tongues. Well, I'm not saying there's an exclusivity on that, but it is the same. It should be the same, or it could be the same. It doesn't mean when you pray in your own language, you are sloppy. You should still have a a spiritual consciousness it should still be a holy prayer and not I've had enough of all that you know what I mean I know maybe that's how you feel sometimes but you know you know when you're praying in the spirit there should be a natural um, desire to commune with respect to a holy God anyway 
But speaking in tongues is, of course, different. So what we're going to talk about is the personal side of praying in tongues. The corporate bit, separate, we won't touch that today. But in Mark 16, 17, Jesus validates speaking in tongues. And it says, go into the world and preach the gospel. These things will follow those who believe. Now, things in the Bible tend to be importance-based, right? Cast out demons, number one. How many people are really up for that? Speak in new tongues, number two. Now, I'm paraphrasing number three. Being protected from outward attacks, like being attacked by serpents... I mean, there are other things that can attack us. And you think, well, we live in England. We're safe. We don't have to worry about that one because we don't have any poisonous snakes. It's not the point. And then from an internal perspective, being protected about things that are inside us, like poisons. But it's not just about poisons. And then the fourth thing, which we all love and we all want to be engaged in, is laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. We all jump up and say, yeah, I want to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But we neglect the three that are higher in the ranking order. So why is that? I think it's because there's, there's a, a blindness that has come over many in the church. Because the devil doesn't want us to know the truth. He wants us stuck in little boxes, being happily praying to God, having a little emotional m- meeting, but not influencing the world around us. So I'm going to read from Romans eight twenty six to 28. Because um, it talks about, well, firstly, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, 4 states that tongues edify yourself. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that, that he speaks in tongues more than anybody. So he was probably walking down the street. He didn't have his in-ears. He wasn't playing music as he's walking down the street and la, la, la. Um, he was probably speaking in tongues whatever, because he he didn't have any other form of transport, really. He was probably speaking in tongues for hours and hours and hours. And he said, it would be good if you did the same. Um, But in Romans 28, sorry, Romans 8, 26 to 28. Romans 8, 26 to 28. It said, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. Now we often quote verse 28, don't we? All things work together for good. But it's hinged to... Speaking in the spiritual language. So it's very easy again to pick things out of context. Previous weeks we've looked at the armour of God. Um, Ephesians 6.18, there is a list. Now, I think it was said a while back, God's perfect number is seven. So it's not a shock to see that there's seven aspects of the armour of God. Yet we often stop at the sixth. Because the seventh one 
is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's not just babbling. It's being watchful to the end with all perseverance. It's an important thing to do as part of our armor. So although, yes, it's edifying us, it's building us up, and we, when we don't know what to talk, speak, and we, maybe we've all had that. I was speaking to Glennis. Well, of course I spoke to Glennis. I live with her. But uh, we were talking this morning. And there was an issue years back where our son had an accident and it was not good. And he was in hospital. I wasn't there, but it was not pretty. Um, and Glennis just ran across the ward. won't say like a banshee because that's not a good thing to be. <laughs> praying in tongues in front of the the doctors and laying her hands on him. Because at that moment, she probably didn't know what to do. So when you've got that in your armory to be able, when you're lost for knowing how to cope, and you can speak in tongues and you can get that confident hope and peace that God hears, because he's actually put the words out that you needed to say. And that's really important. So it's not just for a prayer meeting. It's for every life situation. We should be, and that's why Paul says, I speak more than anybody. It, it says, it, it says um, the initial evidence in the early church was speaking in tongues. But religious dogma took over. Church leadership, who may not have been particularly filled with the Holy Spirit, wanted to get control. People who were speaking in tongues and doing things that weren't controllable were... Um, so almost banished. Um, and even today, there are people, and it's called cessationism, where people would say, yeah, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit was very, very relevant for the apostles because they were setting the church up. But once we have the Bible, we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore because the Bible. But we should worship God in spirit and in truth, not just read the Bible because the devil knows that. He doesn't understand it. Because he hasn't got the spirit in God enlightening the Bible to him to be able to understand the consequences of it. He wouldn't have killed Jesus. What a stupid thing to do. Because it set the captives free. So if it was good for the church then, and how the church grew, why not, or shouldn't it be good for us today? The armor of God helps us in times when, of trial. Like in the, um, the um, so for example, speaking in tongues, it could be about temptation. You don't know how to overcome that temptation. Speak in tongues. You could be in fear with the outcome. Speak in tongues. You could have doubts about situations. Get clarity by speaking in tongues. You could be sick, and all your mind is doing is, oh, this is going to happen. This speak in tongues to be able. Back in a few years back, I was um, I was working in Birmingham. And uh, on a Friday morning, I started getting severe pains in my lower back, and it went round to my chest. And about nine, half past nine in the morning, I thought, this is not good. I'm in big trouble. And I thought, well, I'm not going to ring Glennis, because if I have to go to hospital in Birmingham, she's going to jump in the car, drive like a lunatic, and there'll be two people in hospital. 
on the route to Birmingham and in Birmingham. So I thought, no, I'm driving home. Now, I got told off by the doctors for doing that because I thought, well, if I can get to Warwick, I'll go to hospital. If I can get to Newbury, I'll go to hospital. If I can get to... And, and I got back to home and went to hospital. And they kept me in, put me on a cardiac ward. And on the Saturday morning, they, uh, a group of doctors came in and they said, so what's your background? Um... Has anybody had a heart attack in your... Oh, yeah, my brother's had a triple bypass a few years ago. Ah, okay. What about cancer? Anybody had cancer? Well, yeah, my sister actually died of cancer a few years ago. Oh, dear. And what's your lifestyle? Well, I'm all over the place. I'm flying here, doing this, doing this. Okay, so it's either cancer, a heart attack, or you've got an embolism. Um, And we'll see you Monday. That's what happened. (laughs) Because they didn't work on a Sunday. So I laid in bed thinking, well, thank you very much. And all I could do was speak in tongues. And I started speaking in tongues, and I kept getting the same word, nisi, nisi. And I thought, I know that word. So I said to Glennis, we've got a book about the names, names of God. Can you bring it in? Because I don't, obviously I didn't know how to use Google at the time. <laughs> but so got the book. Flicks through it, and Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my strength, the Lord is my banner. And by lunchtime Saturday, didn't care. I had peace about it because God spoke to me through that. I only got one word, but God spoke to me through it. Now on the Monday when the senior consultant comes in, he banished all of the stupidity. He basically said I probably had wind, and then told me to go home. <laughs> Now, a few years later, because I got it a few more times, and it wasn't because of the curries, it was a gallbladder problem, and it got fixed. Um, so our prayers, speaking in tongues, is, transcends our soulish prayers. We speak some good prayers, we can speak some selfish prayers. Um, the Holy Spirit who is within us knows our deeper thoughts. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Cliff Richard did a song in the 70s, I won't sing it to you, but he did a song... You know me better than I know myself. And he knows exactly what we need to be able to pray effectively. So why not allow him? Huh. Why, why walk when you can catch the bus? If, the bu- if you've got a bus ticket and you don't pay. You know, because I'm that age where I don't have to pay for buses anymore. We should continually use this language. Continually. I'd gone away from church in the mid-90s, messed up loads of stuff. I used to play in the band back then, and I thought, that's it, never, never, never doing it again. Packed up church, came snivelling back in the end of 2002, which I have talked about before with snivels on stage, and I'm doing well today. And in January 2003, I was, had to work in Poland. Um, so it was, it was pretty soon after the events of Christmas 2002, of course. And I had, I thought, well, what I'll do is I've got to drive up every day and I'll, uh, no, every week, so I'll stay in the week, and I'll put, I'll learn a language or I'll put music on. Every day I just spoke in tongues from the bottom of my, by the rusty cutter until the M25. Every day. Um, and I think that galvanised, God was working in me to take something that had been a mess and, uh, and not nice <laughs> To somebody, and it's taken years. I mean, that was 2004, three. So I'm not saying it was a like zero to hero in five minutes, but it galvanized me to know what was, what was right. And I'm sure God moved things 
to make it that, that much easier. <laughs> it's not just for mature Christians. Please don't think that, oh, well, I've only been a Christian six weeks. I can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't be filled with tongues. Because it's a lie. I mean, the people at um, Jerusalem, it was minutes. And they, hadn't, they weren't even Christians. And then they were, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's lots of accounts. Cornelius, the Roman um, centurion, ha- happened to him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit before he was baptized. So there's no rules that you've got to follow a sequence. As soon as you are a vessel that's worthy for the Holy Spirit to live within you, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'll tell you a very quick story. I'm checking the time. I'm all right. Um, When I became a Christian in January 1975, um, it was honest. I felt very, very guilty in church. I knew God. I thought the preacher, as many people said, my mum and dad told me I was, the him I was coming, and he was picking on me. And I knew I became a Christian on that day. Yet Monday morning, you think, oh my goodness, what have I done? And Tuesday, my parents had organised for a couple of people from the church to come round our house in the evening. Those were Andy Elmsy's mum and dad. And Maureen was somebody who was very, very passionate about people speaking in tongues. So what I did... And I'm being honest, so you don't want to think, well, I've got, to be, I've got to be perfect. I decided to go up the pub with my mate, so I wasn't in when they turned up. And you think, you know, any decent people wouldn't stay in your house after 10 at night, wouldn't you? So I got back at just after 10, and there they were. And Maureen was not shy, as Andy isn't shy. <laughs> um, and she said, really good to see you on Sunday, would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I thought, well, I can't say no because I, I don't know what I'm saying no to. So I just sat in this carver chair, you know, the ones with arms. And her and her husband, Dave, um, started praying for me. And I nearly broke the chair. It was so powerful what happened. Um, I'm not saying, and again, I don't want to frighten people. It doesn't mean it's going to happen to everybody. But for me, it was a very, very traumatic well, maybe that's the wrong word, very powerful experience that I can never forget. And um, who knows if that hadn't have happened two days in, I could have allowed, a bit like the parable of the sower, I could have allowed things to creep back in my life that made me nominal at best. Who knows? But God had a purpose. He's got a purpose for all of us. He's got it from the, since before the foundations of the earth. He has a purpose for everybody in this room. And that is not exclusive of having been indwelling the Holy Spirit within us. Because that's what Adam and Eve had when they started. So we've got to recognize that, that it's something that's really valid. In Jude 20, it says, um, like all gifts, including salvation, from God, they are received by faith. That's what it means. So, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus unto eternal life. So it's an act of faith. It's not working out what to say. It's a, like becoming a Christian, and whether it's putting your hand up or whatever, you believe by faith. And speaking in tongues is believing by faith. The Corinthians were in a mess. 
but they, they were instructed and qualified to use or endorsed to use speaking in tongues. It's for all of us. It's for our growth, our spiritual growth, for our maturity, for victory over sin. We may have these strongholds in our life that we don't seem to be able to break. We don't even know what to think about to break. Yet enabling the Holy Spirit to intercede for us, for God to act, is really important. It's to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil can't put, oh, what are you going to do for tea in your head when you're speaking in tongues because you're not using that part of your brain. Scientists have proven when people speak in tongues, they speak in a different part of their brain. So you don't need to worry. Just do it. All of God's gifts are good. James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above. So, rounding up. Today we see many challenges to our faith. We really do. My goodness. It's probably always been true. Years back you used to get fed to lions. Um, but our right to have what we believe, even in Britain, is being challenged. We do need to pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 17. We should, we should allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, optimizing our prayer life effectively. There's nothing wrong. I know Steve was speaking about when you pray continually. If you're trying to do it in your known language, you will really struggle. But if you're speaking in tongues, you can go hours. I've done it. Because you're not conscious. You're not having to think what makes sense next. Just allow the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you don't understand tongues, ask somebody. If you desire to build, be filled with the Holy Spirit, pray or be prayed for. And we'll have an opportunity for that after the meeting. And if you speak in tongues, do it more. You can't do enough, really. The whole Pentecostal experience from the foundation of the church through the church age and reinvigorated at the turn of the 20th century is to equip the church to herald the return of Christ. And I don't think that's far. So we need to accelerate. The devil is accelerating evil. Because today, that which is good is evil and that which is evil is good. And that's in the Bible. It's predicted. So we should be accelerating our Christian life experience to come against the gates of hell and to influence communities, to see people healed, to see demonic oppression lifted in communities and in people, and us for, to us to be victorious. We're not going to be a wimping church hanging on. Like I know the, the old rugged cross is a lovely thing, but we're not hanging on with our fingers scratching down, save me, save me. We're going to be victorious. Let us do, do it all. Let all of us do our part, praying without ceasing in harmony with the Holy Spirit who leads, coaches, and counsels us. So, that is what I wanted to cover. I know I covered a lot. I tried to do it, start with a wide bit, and come down to the point. The point is. Speaking in tongues is a critically important aspect of our Christian life. You're not any less a Christian if you don't. But if the opportunity presents, and I know there may be people who have prayed for years and not been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying well, you're doing something wrong. It's a bit like the situation when somebody's not healed. And people say, well, you must be doing something wrong. 
because you would have been healed. No, 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 no. We've just got to act in faith and keep on believing until it happens. So we're going to stop in a moment. I will pray and then the meeting, whether Steve, you want them, you can then take over. Either the meeting will end or it won't, but there'll be opportunity for people to come to the front and to be prayed for to be either filled with the Holy Spirit and if you believe you are then to exercise the gift of tongues so I just want to pray over us now as we close I just pray Holy Spirit whether whatever the type of person is in this room today they may even be non-Christians I just pray that you will draw them that your spirit is resting on everybody and that we all earnestly desire to know you more to have you abide with us to infill us and enable us to be those people that you've purposed us to be so that we can be victorious in our Christian outworkings and we can cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead and see the return and herald in the return of Christ. And I claim that over this congregation today in the name of Jesus. Amen.